Welcome to Social Capital Expert, a show where we discover the value of social capital and how cultivating strategic relationships is critical to our success. In each episode, your host, Sarah Francis McDaniel, will explore the stories of fascinating people from all over the world to better understand how their ability to build relationships has led to their success. We will uncover tips, tricks, and practical ways that you too can become a social capital expert. Welcome to the show, and I'm very excited to have my friend, Matt Robertson, here with us today. Matt, thanks so much for being here. Um, you know, Matt, I'd like for you to just tell us a little bit about yourself, kind of who you are and what you do right now, but don't give us too much because I really want to start with your background and then we'll bring it back up to where we are today. Does that sound good? So I am an architect with Clutch Design Studio. It's a firm that I started 10 years ago. Uh, we're a boutique design firm, architecture, interior design, um, AIA award-winning, residential, commercial, light commercial, hospitality, um, all, all different avenues of design. Awesome. Okay, so then now take us back a little. Help us understand kind of where you got started and, and what this all looked like for you in the beginning. Well, um, I'd say the beginning for me, I graduated from Miami of Ohio and worked in downtown Cincinnati for a while, three years. And then moved out to Denver for the mountains and started working with Fentress Architects on the Colorado Convention Center. Worked at Fentress for almost 10 years and um, had a side project going on and just fell in love with um, the challenges of, of having my own business and, and being my own boss and um, eventually had to leave Fentress because I couldn't... Uh, keep keep both responsibilities in the air running a business and working for another architecture firm and uh you know that was that was 10 10 years ago um, wow congratulations yeah and so you know i think uh first the first couple years were were great a, a really quite a departure from what i was doing at fentress um it was you know large residential and, instead of large commercial and civic um but for those first couple of years, it was just me in my home office, you know, in sweatpants, um, just grinding, you know, working, working 12, 14 hour days and, and just loving it. Uh, but after, after a couple of years of that, uh, you know, I think I, I realized that, you know, these projects take so long. Uh, architecture is, you know, one of the slowest art forms, right? And so you get three, four, five years into a project, you finish it, you know, you look back at the end and it's a great project. Well, I was looking at the rest of my career thinking, okay, well, I got you know, 40, 50 years left. That's, you know, 10 projects. Well, I, I want to do 110 projects, right? So, um, you know, I think it, it became obvious that I, that I needed people, uh, like-minded individuals that, that wanted the same amount of architecture that, that I want. And so I started, I started looking and um, found my first employee who's, who's still with me. He's been with me now eight years, coming up on eight years. And, um, you know, it, it's, it's been great. I think the, the one, you know, commonality that, that all of us have here at Clutch is, uh, is really just a love for 
for the profession and for design and, and what we do and all of the relationships with, within that. That's awesome. Thank you for sharing and giving us a little bit of insight into how Clutch started and what that looked like. Um, you know, how, when you, you said you, you are like-minded with your team and you guys have a passion for this. For you personally, did you always, even as a, a child, have a passion for architecture and design or how, how did that kind of come about? Well, um, you know, I, I don't know that I, that I necessarily had a passion for architecture. O always design. I think I've always been fascinated with stuff, um, with, you know, with, with toys, with bikes, with motorcycles, skateboards. I always knew uh, exactly what I wanted, you know, all of the unique features about, about whatever toy I was into at the moment, right? And then growing up, you know, I did what all kids do, tree houses and playing in the woods and that kind of thing. Um, I love to draw and decided somewhat on a whim to go to school for architecture. Got accepted into the program late after somebody didn't show up. And, um, you know, I wouldn't say I flourished in school. I was, I think, a pretty average student. But I really enjoyed the work and the possibilities, the you know, kind of broad areas that, that you can get into with architecture. And, um, you know, just kind of figuring it out. As, as, and I still like, still feel like I'm got a long ways to go to figure things out, right? Oh, that's awesome. So it wasn't something where like forever you were like, I'm going to be an architect, but as it kind of has come to be, uh, you've settled into it. Yeah, for sure. I think, um, you know, I got into it for all the wrong reasons. I thought that, that architects were, um, you know, financially stable, just inherent, um, that they were, you know, appreciated by society, that it was, you know, some esteemed like position to hold. Um, and, you know, and, and because I could draw and I enjoyed art, I thought, oh, that was a natural fit. It couldn't be further from the truth. You know, you don't, you don't have to have any artistic ability to be an architect. Um, you certainly don't necessarily get a big paycheck just because you're an architect. And I think society as a whole doesn't really understand what architects do. Um, except just on a basic level. So, you know, I think all three of those things turned out to be, to be not, you know, true, at least, at least for me and my story. So I feel like I got lucky, um, you know, but for me, especially now running a business and having employees and, you know, different clients, I mean, it's, it's all about the relationship. That's where the success comes. That's where the enjoyment comes uh, from the, the communication with different individuals, different personality types, different project types. That's where, you know, I think most of the, you know, most of the opportunities for success lie. You know, that's, uh, that's awesome because I, I feel the same way. I feel like it doesn't really matter necessarily what the product or the service is, but it's the people that you get to kind of be a part of all of that with that make all the difference. Um, as you kind of look at, you know, how you've built your team and you see those relationships there and being that kind of entrepreneur, solopreneur who now has built a team under you and, and have built a business with employees, um, do you have any kind of sort of tips on facilitating and then nurturing those relationships, those sort of inner relationships? 
know if there would be tips. I think everyone has their own style, but you know, for me personally, I, all of my employees, um, I, it, it, it even feels weird to call them employees, right? They, they certainly don't work under me. They work with me. We work together. We're a team. We're a, a best idea wins group. And I think, you know, since the start, even employee one um, was someone that I'd worked with a little bit before whom a mutual friend recommended that I reach out to. And all of our hires to date have been that same sort of relationship where it was, uh, you know, more a friend of a friend or, you know, a, a warm introduction through someone that, that thought we were like-minded. And so, you know, I think we're, we're a very tight, very tight group. Um, I think, you know, the other, the other thing I would say as a tip, I guess, is don't, don't be afraid to hire people that, that are better than you at, in aspects of your job. I mean, that, that's essential. Everyone I have that works for me is super talented. Um, and they all do, do things that I could never do or, or couldn't do nearly as well as they do, right? And I think, um, you know, I think that coupled with the joy we have for, for our work and just the, the self-motivation and uh, the genuine you know, care that we have for each other, I think is a big part of our success. Yeah, thank you for sharing, because I think that's an important point. You know, you said hiring people that are better than you. I mean, some of that, um, or, or that have other skills and things that are strengths um, that are different than yours, and building a team that's well-rounded in that regard. You mentioned you guys have a best idea wins sort of uh, group. How, tell us more about, you know, sort of that collaborative way of, of designing. Um, I don't know. We've been throwing that phrase around for a while. I think, I think a lot of it has to do with, with um, where we came from, you know, and some of our previous firms. And um, there was always, you know, a clear, a clear leader. I'm in charge. It's my way or the highway. And, and in design, um, that can be frustrating, especially, you know, when you can't really get behind the idea or the concept that you um, are tasked with with bringing into reality, right? And and I think we always just, you know, we, we argue and, and get upset with one another because we're passionate about about this work and about these projects. And I think um, it, it's, it's all of our abilities to, um, you know, to kind of let, let all of that arguing kind of go to the side and, and truly just accept, accept the best idea, regardless of who it came from or how it came about. Um, and I think with architecture, with, you know, design, there's so many, so many opportunities, so many different directions to go. Um, but, but as a team, I think we always collaborate um, and, and bring our different, different experiences uh, to each project and always willing to accept uh, the best idea regardless of who it came from. I and love sometimes that. Sometimes it's not a team member, sometimes it's a client. You know, oftentimes it's a client that, that has some random crazy thought, right? What if we did X? And you know, you start talking about it and kicking it around and all of a sudden it turns into something really fantastic. I think, uh, you know, that's a big part of our business too is just, just being open to, to the, the, the crazy possibilities. I love that. That's actually the next question I was going to ask you is, you know, your business does 
not one of the same thing. You know, you're kind of do across the board really interesting projects that are not just residential, not just commercial, but really the whole gamut. And in working with that sort of spectrum of clientele, um, you know, in that whole idea of connecting with the people, how do you how do you do that? You know, if the projects are so different, what are some of those things that are more common in in dealing with that? I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how we deal with that. I think we're still trying to figure that out. You know, um, the one the one thing that I that I think we have figured out as far as successful projects, the ones that we really feel like, you know, we, we've done well on are the ones where we really had a good connection with the client. And, you know, we we always say that we're we're looking for, you know, a particular type of client, not a particular project type or building type. And, and that definitely, you know, holds true. The successful projects that we've had are the ones where the relationships with the client has, have just been, you know, fantastic, where we really, um, you know, get, get raw and, and deep and understand, you know, what the, what the client wants, what they, what they truly want. Uh, and it's hard to do, you know, it's hard to build that trust. Uh, I think, I think that's the biggest, you know, hurdle in our business is that, You've got to build that trust with a client that you you often don't don't know, don't have any prior you know experience with, and um, and you, you've got to do it quickly. Uh, of course, by the end of the job, you've established it, but um, if you don't establish it to the end, it's a it's a rocky process. So, you know, I think trust it's, it's all about trust and establishing that trust as early as possible, and I think that all stems from you know, being open and, and genuine and, and really, uh, really listening to the client um, and, and, and hearing what they're saying and, and being in the present and, and trying to relate, trying to hear things from their perspective, which, which can be difficult in our business too, because I think a lot of our clients don't quite have the vocabulary to express how they feel about design, you know, unless you've, unless you've been to, to school or, or have a lot of a lot of experience in that industry sometimes it can be difficult to convey your feelings absolutely I can imagine that it's it's sort of its own language and so it may be something that you have a, an idea or, or a vision for and yet don't know how to communicate that and I can imagine that just like in any situation if you're speaking two different languages um, you have to sort of sometimes use other means of communication to really develop um, that trust and that rapport. You know, in, in design, there's always the, the graphic form of communication, right? And we can, we can draw and show renderings and, and computer models and, and now virtual fly-throughs and, you know, all, all these crazy things. But a lot of times that's one-sided, right? That's us giving information to the client. They often can't respond back with that same, you know, graphic communication. Um, so it, it's a hurdle. Uh, but it's fun. And, you know, I think uh, the challenge of working with different clients, different project types, different project sizes is what keeps us excited and passionate about what we do. Yeah. And you mentioned something I'm curious about, um, and maybe we talk about this later, but where do you see, you know, design going? I mean, we have, you and I, uh, before we started recording in another conversation, we're talking about virtual reality headsets and some of the things that you guys are kind of like looking at 
Can you tell us more about what you sort of see as the future of, of what you do? I don't know that I'm the right person to ask for that. I don't, I don't feel like I'm some authority on, on where architecture design is headed. I mean, you know, I, I know for us personally, you know, going back to what you said with the virtual reality headset, I mean, it's become so accessible and so easy um, to just fit within our regular workflow. And uh, if you've never had a, a virtual headset on, it is just truly immersive. You know, I mean, you, you can just get lost. It, it's incredible. So I think, you know, I think from a, certainly from a presentation standpoint, um, built architecture will, will, will be presented and experienced in that format quite a bit. And I think, um, you know, with the current state of affairs with, with COVID-19, I think that's being pushed quite a bit. You know, there's a lot of, a lot of content being put out uh, quicker than it might have otherwise. Um, you know, I, I think, you know, back to your original question, where is, where's architecture, where's design headed with the current state of affairs? I, it's hard to say, you know, I, I not that this isn't a, a global issue and something that is, you know, paramount at, at the moment. I think, I think people have, have short memories and, um, you know, I think there'll be a natural kind of distancing and, and um, you know, a lightening of the densification and, and office and restaurant and hospitality. Um, but I, I don't know, I don't know that it'll, that it'll hold, that it'll last forever. You know, I think, I think um, architecture is, is like so many other aspects of, of, of life and culture, right? It, there's often a, a reaction to, to an event that swings the pendulum in, in one direction. And, um, you know, often it goes too far or, or it just gets played out and tired and then it, it swings back the other way and, and there's a reaction to that. Um, I, you know, I, I would see this as being no different. Yeah, I agree. I, I appreciate you sharing. And, and uh, you don't have to be an expert. Your just thoughts and opinions on it is what I'm looking for. And so I appreciate you sharing that. And, uh, and the idea of the VR, I mean, since we talked about that the other day, I just have thought more and more about just the options and the, the opportunities that can be presented in that platform um, for a lot of us. And I know for, for people, you know, even in my position that are, are there trying to figure out how to create experiences for customers and, and industry partners in the community and trying to identify what this new form of life is going to look like in the sense of of coming together in the way we have before and virtual reality may become a piece of how we do some of that as well. And so it's kind of fun to just hear how that may impact other parts of, of the industry and the process. Yeah, there's just, there's been some crazy things that have happened just over the last couple of weeks. Um, I'm not much of a gamer, but I saw that Travis Scott performed live on Fortnite, which is uh, you know a super popular VR um, you know first-person shooter game, right? Yeah. And so you're you're getting these you know what used to be stadium full of people events that are now being streamed live on the internet, and and of course right now people are just flocking to that because they they miss um, you know especially music um, and 
and it's it's just fun and to see something like like music mixing with a, a live event with a with a virtual reality game is is just uh, mind blowing to me and you're talking about you know millions of of people that experience you know j- just Fortnite right yeah um, so I I don't know I don't know where we're headed but it's fascinating I agree it it'll be really interesting and you know looking at the you know just the impact that some of this is having and I know that there's a lot of seriousness and and um, you know it's very heavy in some regards there's also so much uh, just silver lining and opportunity that's being exposed that maybe we wouldn't have even known um, could have been so readily available had it not been for the situation. Truly the world will never be the same because the the realization that that we as individuals have and a lot of these industries, I mean, it will change them uh, and and us forever. in, in whatever sense. And I, I don't know that anyone really has a grasp on, on how or, or where um, and, and how long the current state of affairs is going to last. It's, it's a brave new world. It is. Uh, and we're all in it together. So, you know, we'll, we'll navigate it and figure it out uh, together, hopefully. So, um, you know, Matt, I'm curious. That's what was for that? sure. Yes, it Life does. goes on. It finds a way and and the economy has to go forward and people have to work and make money and eat and families um, will continue to, um, you know, have, have kids and life goes on. Absolutely. And, you know, um, as we kind of continue to talk about social capital and Matt, you have a ton of social capital and are well connected. I'm curious if there are things that you do um, to build that social capital, and if this whole COVID thing has sort of changed that, what does it look like now? Yeah, I think it has changed it. I think I think up, up to this point, um, because we've been so busy, I haven't done a great job of adapting to that yet. Um, most of my success, I, I think, you know, recently is just just picking up the phone and calling somebody. You know, I, I think because of the current state of affairs, people are more apt to pick up their phone um, or, or even a FaceTime call. You know, I've, I've FaceTimed people that I would never dream of FaceTiming, you know, and they, and they pick right up, you know, regardless of where they're at or what they're doing. I think because they're craving that, that human contact, right? Um, you know, so I, I don't know exactly where, where I'm headed with this. I mean, I, I don't know that I'm doing anything a whole lot different now. I'm not, um, I'm not a big, you know, networking event guy. I mean, I, I certainly go to those and I enjoy seeing people and, um, you know, uh, enjoy being in large social situations. But I think, I think most of the, you know, strong relationships that I have are, are just one-on-one, um, you know, really, really getting to, to know an individual and understand um, you know, their, where they come from, their, their truths and their experience and, and what they, what they enjoy doing and, and what they want to get out of life. Yeah, I think um, it, it seems that when you have that one-on-one opportunity, you can really go deeper. Um, and sometimes those can, can be gleaned from big social events, but often we don't have the opportunity to go very deep when we're in the bigger kind of crowds and, and groups. 
you know, for me, for me, those are just an opportunity to, to see somebody I haven't seen in a while, say hi, and then not feel weird about calling them three or four days later. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just get, giving me a reason to reach out to them and, and a reason for them to, to pick up the phone and, and say, Hey, you know, let's get together for a drink or, or let's, let's, let's talk about, let's talk about work, you know, or, or family life or whatever. Yeah, I, uh, I think I'm loving that piece of it all as well. And even like doing Zoom, I mean, it, it's like literally taken the distance issue and made it a non-issue and just being able to see people from all over the country, all over the world, um, and it be so much more acceptable and normal than it's ever been before. Kind of fun. So I'm- I never thought I would see online in a social situation are just flocking to it. Uh, it. It's fascinating. Yeah, I agree. It's actually really fun. And and just being able to, to engage with people in a new way. I mean, I don't want to be doing this as the only mode forever, that's for sure. Um, I'm definitely missing the, the in-person connections with people and just, you know, high fives and handshakes and hugs and things like that that used to be normal. But, um, you know, as we continue to get through it, I think you're right that we'll be taking a lot of the things that have come out of this in technology and the way we interact and socialize and continue it on as we move into whatever our new normal looks like. Yeah, it'd be interesting to find out what that is. You know, I'm personally missing the uh, the five o'clock, five o'clock happy hour cheers. You know, yeah. I'm, a, I'm a cocktail guy. That's when I like to network and, and talk about you know business family whatever um and that's gone at the moment and uh, definitely something i'm missing absolutely me too so are you uh doing any reading or or podcasting during this time are there any good books or things you want to share I'm not a reader at all i've never been a reader um i've always been uh, i've always been a magazine guy so um I mean, I just had boxes and boxes of images where, um, you know, I'd ripped out pages from magazines, sometimes full articles, sometimes just images. Um, and now of course with, with Pinterest and, and every other sort of, um, you know, image based program out there, it's, it's no longer an issue, a simple screenshot and save to a folder. Um, podcast, you know, I'm starting to get into the podcast stuff a little bit I, I find um you know it's difficult for me to work and get anything out of the podcasts so um you know if i'm not working i'm usually listening to music or, or hanging out with my family um but um i'm still you know dan patrick fox sports radio uh would probably be my go-to podcast all right that works you know, just curious. Wild boy made good. <laughs> awesome. Um, okay, so then what about, um, you know, if you are kind of just getting through a situation or kind of even during this time with COVID and, you, and you've got to stay focused, I know there's a lot on, on your plate. Do you have anything that you sort of use as those sort of motivational quotes or mantras or how do you kind of keep yourself focused on, on where you're headed and, and motivated to get there? You know, I think I'm, I'm, uh, I'm super schedule driven. I, I always have been. 
and I, I just blindly follow what's in my calendar to, to a fault. Right. And I think, um, I, um, I always, I always make time to, to work out, to stay fit, um, to eat, spend time with family. And, and, you know, I'm always setting goals. I think, you know, I think, I think goal setting is a big, uh, a big part of what, of what keeps me focused and motivated. Um, you know, I, I think, uh, travel used to be one of them, you know, from a personal standpoint, um, my wife and I would always have at least one trip on the calendar, um, uh, and usually, usually two or three, um, planned before, before we were sitting there with nothing to do, nothing to look forward to. Um, you know, that's kind of on hold at the moment, but, um, you know, really for me, it's, it's goals and just, just making time to do the things that I enjoy doing. Yeah. Yeah. And you, you mentioned travel and that's one of the things I feel like I'm missing the most is just the opportunity to have those plans booked and knowing that we're going to be able to take those trips. Is there anywhere that it's like your favorite go-to place or place that you've been? Um, yeah, all kinds of favorites. I mean, any, anywhere in the Mediterranean on a boat is nice. Um, you know, we spend a lot of time in Miami and South beach. It's easy. Napa, Napa is easy and fun. And, uh, it's, for us, it feels like a, a real escape, you know, but it only takes a couple hours to get there. Short car ride. Um, yeah, that's probably my go-to's. You know, I've been, here, I've been, uh, I'm sorry. I've been hearing that, you know, this is really the year maybe to take the, the stateside trips and to do yeah. things within the country and go places that we haven't seen, you know, inside our own land. And, um, so that's kind of a new, a new travel experience that I'm looking forward to taking is maybe even just renting an RV and heading out for a couple of weeks. Do you have any plans for doing any, you know, stateside travel? Uh, you sound like my wife who's <laughs> trying to convince me to buy an RV. I'm getting, I'm getting pinged with RV articles and YouTube videos. Yeah. Uh, we don't have anything planned at the moment, uh, but I'm sure we'll be taking some driving trips, you know? Uh, we've got another baby on the way, so I think oh, air travel. Thank you. Air travel gets uh, quite a bit more difficult as you as you add, you know, kids, additional yeah. kids. Um, so yeah, I think um, I think we'll certainly do some some RVing or or if nothing less, just some road trips. Awesome. You know, Santa Fe for us is close and easy. Uh, we certainly want to get up to Oregon and do the wine district up there. Um, yeah, those are the two that come to mind right now. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Like, maybe split this, the country into quadrants and uh, just head out and take a little cruise around each quadrant each quarter or something. I don't know. Come up with some way. But, I mean, I'm looking into the RV rentals, and it's really not a – it's not a, a heavy lifting there. Pretty easy. Yeah, I don't know. It's been a while since we rented an RV. I think we did a guy's trip up in Alaska. Uh a Valdez heli trip, oh, um, fine. but that was certainly uh, not up to my wife's standards of, of travel. <laughs> uh, three guys in in an RV and three RVs. 
Oh my gosh. Yeah, that, that might be a little too much, but maybe you can come up with work out another, another plan that's more suitable for what she's looking to do. But, um, you know, Matt, as I really appreciate you being here and sharing some of your story with us. And, you know, as we kind of start to wrap up, I'm curious if you have a few things that you think are sort of the key ingredients to building strong social capital. You know, I think just I think just putting yourself out there, um, you know, is is kind of a number one. I think a lot of people just have trouble getting started, right? They they don't want to go to the events. Um, they they go to the events and they they stand in the corner with with their group of friends and they don't they don't expand their circle. And you know, I think um, I think everyone's you know kind of kind of shy in in large social situations. I think you know, just, just putting yourself out there and, and, and getting past some of that, that initial anxiety for me was, was the biggest. And once you get past that, it's, it's easy. And the, and the more frequently you do that, the easier it is to, to be outside of your comfort zone. Right. I think, um, you know, being yourself, uh, it's cliche, but, but obviously that's, that's a big one. Um, I think, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe the biggest is, is just being present in in whatever conversation or situation you're having you know truly truly listening to what the other person is saying um and and or or i guess that goes outside of social situations too whatever whatever task you're you're within or whatever project you're working on or or family time or just really being present in that moment and in that situation and focusing on what you're doing and not thinking about you know things outside of that activity. Um, I think, you know, when I'm talking to an individual and, and I see that they're present with me in the conversation, um, great, great things happen. You know, you can, you can have some pretty incredible, um, incredibly deep, you know, amounts of understanding and conversation quickly. And, you know, I think, I think those along with, you know, building that trust are what, what leads to, to great relationships. Yeah, thank you. That's that's helpful. And it's insightful in into how you see that trust being built and facilitated and, and developed. Um, you know, as you are you've kind of brought us up to speed as to where things are today, is there anything going on or that you're involved in uh that you're super passionate and excited about that you want to share? Uh first thing that comes to mind would be Blue Sky Foundation. Um it's uh it's an organization I'm in with a, with a group of people here in, in Denver, and we are helping to level the playing field for kids in education. Um, we do this a number of different ways. I think right now, you know, to date, our, our main focus has been on tutoring and really helping some of those disadvantaged kids get, um, get help with, with ACT and SAT, you know, tutoring and improving those scores. Um, you know, with this, with this kind of new new direction um, the colleges seem to be taking they I think the importance on those standardized tests is maybe gonna gonna change a little bit um, so we'll, we'll pivot from there and, and and find another avenue to, to continue to help level the playing field um, you know I think out, outside of outside of architecture as far as organizations go that would be my big passion at the moment certainly 
Awesome. Well, thank you for sharing. And we will have all of your contact information in the show notes so people can reach out to you that way. Um, Matt, as we wrap up, are there any kind of final thoughts you'd like to leave us with? You know, I think, I, th I think the, you know, the one realization that I've had is that, you know, all of my, all of my, you know, meaningful relationships and, um, uh, accomplishments, successes in life have all come from, you know, some amount of, of, you know, social connection, social capital, uh, you know, what, whatever you want to call it. I think, um, you know, I, I applied to my first job in Cincinnati, just kind of blindly, not, not anonymously. My name was on the resume and, and a former professor of mine who I knew worked at the firm, um, ended up, getting my resume and, and that's how I got hired there. And, you know, coming out to Colorado, um, I chose the first firm that I worked for there because it was, it was the biggest and I think offered the most opportunity for, for social connection in a new city. And, and that's where I met, um, my wife, many of my employees, um, you know, most of my good friends, uh, here in Denver, came came from that you know that one that one decision uh, that one connection that one group of people and um you know i think i think some of the best clients we've had have all been uh word of mouth you know recommendations all through you know just the social connection realm um i think back into how how important that's been in my life um it's hard to think of something that would that could play a greater impact than than those connections. What advice would you give yourself if you could give yourself when you were younger your own advice? Um, start, start earlier. Start expanding my my base of relationships earlier and and know that, um, you know, everyone else is generally trying to do the same thing too. You know, we all just want to have meaningful relationships. Um, we want to work with people that we like spending time with. Um, you know, I, I think it's pretty simple. I think, I think earlier on in, in my life, I, I placed a whole lot of, I don't know, importance or, or anxiety around, who was I talking to and why, and why would they want to talk to me? And, um, you know, ultimately it's just about, it's just about having fun and making connections and, and finding people that, that you enjoy spending time with. Absolutely. Thank you for sharing. Cause I think it's just always fun to see if we could have told ourselves something that we know now then, and what would that be? And starting earlier is a, is a good one for sure one of the cruel aspects of life right you uh as, as you get older you, you always wish that you could have known then what you know now yeah the hindsight sure is 2020 right that's right well matt it has been a real pleasure having you and again we'll have all your show notes in the contact or all of your contact information in the show notes and uh, we just look forward to having you back and seeing where clutch design goes and sort of what the future holds nice spending time with you. You as well. Thank you so much, Matt.
That's all for this episode of Social Capital Expert. Please visit socialcapitalexpert.com for show notes, additional episodes, and to see who will be visiting us next on the show. Also, be sure to check out our upcoming Social Capital Mixers. These are events where we can connect in person to build social capital. Thanks for listening, and we look forward to having you join us for the next episode.